to Hang Out in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Josh Dooley, and with me, making his triumphant return to the pod, is the one and only Chuck Holmes. Chuck is, of course, back from a brief vacation to Dubai, I believe, uh, because that is how he rolls. Good to have you back, brother. How are we doing? You know, I just want to thank Matt for having like 25 different jobs here with with the company, because if not, as I was listening to last week's pod, I just felt like I was being Wally pipped. So I want to thank <laughs> him for not not having enough time to be able to take my job from me. Uh, yeah, I, vacation's over. Uh, the kids are getting ready to go back to school. I'm counting the days on that. I'm ready for them to get out of the house. And once school starts and all the vacations are over, it's just a matter of time before football starts. You can almost you can almost taste it a little bit in your mouth, and I'm I'm ready. I, I cannot wait. Yeah, we're definitely getting there. And like I said, good to have you back. I'm also going on a vacation the end of this week, but unlike you, I will fill my commitments or honor my commitments. I'll be back the on the pod. I'll be back on the pod next week, but. No, you know, your timing is or was great because now, like you said, the real work does begin. Ohio State football actually begins fall camp later this week. We are recording on Monday, and I believe they start on Wednesday, which means the season is obviously right around the corner. And we will have plenty to talk about, but before Chuck and I get into camp storylines and whatnot, wanted to hit on some other news and events. First off, in recruiting... Uh, About a week ago, week plus, Ohio State obviously lost out on linebacker Kingston Viliamu Asa on July 23rd, which Matt and I touched on briefly in Chuck's absence. Chuck, I do want to get your opinion on that. But after we discuss the good news, uh, just yesterday, high four-star corner and Springfield, Ohio standout Aaron Scott announced his commitment to the Buckeyes after quite the flirtation with that team up north with Oregon. Uh, This gives Ohio State at least one late July victory. Like I said, Scott did a fantastic job of keeping people guessing, playing the game. He had a great reveal last night when he made his announcement. But in the end, he spurns both Michigan and Oregon to join Ohio State's 2024 class. 247 has Scott as the number three corner in the class, and he will presumably join Bryce West in Columbus the number 14th ranked corner, although 247, the composite has him as the number four corner. So a little bit of variance there, but two high-end corners, both out of Ohio. Chuck, a few questions, and you go wherever you want with these. Number one, how badly do you think that Tim Walton needed to land Scott, or both West and Scott? Uh, Number two, how big of a loss was Viliamu Asa given the recent misses at linebacker? And three, uh, I can recap these later if you want. How are you feeling about this 2024 class in the aggregate, specifically on the defensive side of the ball? I think I'll go in order there. I Getting this commitment was big for Walton, but it doesn't matter if these guys don't perform this fall, right? Uh, The the recruits are a a really big deal. And that kind of, uh, it kind of just keeps the 
fire smoldering instead of his seat actually being on fire. It's just some coals <laughs> underneath there right now. But if the guys that are currently on the roster, you know, we've, we've heard great things about uh, Davison Ingbenosa and Denzel Burke bouncing back. Yeah. About Denzel Burke bouncing back. Like if these guys don't do this, uh, it's irrelevant because the heat from the season is exponentially hotter than the heat from a recruiting miss. That being said, this keeps the heat off of him. This was a Ohio State have to have. Like, this was a slam dunk for the Buckeyes the entire time. I don't care about the troll job. Like, all that was just bluster, just to get attention. And he's a young kid trying to trying to enjoy that. Everything pointed to he was going to be an Ohio State Buckeye commit. And for them to get it was almost just like a – it's just a sigh of relief as opposed to, yes, we got somebody we shouldn't have gotten. Um, with the linebackers, and, and you and I talked about this earlier, the linebacker position is a problem on yeah. the recruiting trail, right? You know, I, I understand that they're only, uh, with, with Jim Knowles' defense, they're only going to play two linebackers at all times. And so you don't need to recruit five every time. But you do need to recruit two or maybe three, especially with the way the transfer portal works now, right? And if you look at, according to 24-7, the 12 offers they have out, there's only one guy that's not committed. Now, obviously, they have Peyton Pierce. That's one of the 12. But, like, all these other guys are committed. And what, what are you gonna, who are you going to flip out of Florida that's committed to Florida or uh, Georgia out of Virginia? Like, they're not coming to Ohio State. Like, the idea of Ohio State being LBU is non-existent. So if you don't get them up front, you're never going to flip them. And then what, where, where are you at? At some point, <laughs> are we just going to a uh, – are you just going to run dime all the time and just add another safety because they literally don't have another – linebacker on the roster you know just to cut in for a second i think it's a good point we are not ohio state's not lbu the way that it maybe was in the past right with darren lee ryan ryan shazier aj hawk those guys but it's sort of like you said if the guys perform this year then maybe they're painted in a better light so proof of concept right he jim Knowles and jim james lornitis sort of have to do what Tim, Tim Walton has to do, you know, like they have to show it. Can Tommy Eichenberg replicate his success? Can Steel Chambers be as good or better? Do they find other ways to get, you know, like CJ Hicks on the field? So maybe they can get back there, but I'm with you because I think that it's similar to the Walton situation. Only Walton's recruiting now and Jim Knowles certainly is not. So there's definitely some ground to make up. Yeah. And that that's a big thing with Jim Knowles, right? So he's never... And everybody talked about, you know, will his system work here and will he be able to do this and be able to do that? And it was brought up briefly, but he had never recruited at this level, right? He's never, even as a position coach, he was never at a big time top 10 program. I mean, he wasn't even really, I mean, Oklahoma State doesn't go and they never are recruiting at a high level. They develop. And he he caught lightning in a bottle there to get this job. So it's concerning that, if you're going to force the hand when you're hired to be the linebackers coach, you better recruit linebackers. Like if it, you, you have to do it right. We can't, ex- you can't expect uh, Brian Hartline to also recruit linebackers. 
Like that's just not that's not a, a fair. Uh, or, or if he was the wide receivers coach, you know, three years ago, and he's like, "Hey, I got a three-star wide receiver," and that's it. You right. know? Like, <laughs> like I, I just, I don't, I don't know what else. Uh, they, they obviously need to do something. Maybe they need to go find a linebacker in the DMV area that Larry Johnson can recruit for him. I, I don't know. I mean, something like that. But it's a, uh, it, it's a concern. And I think it leads into I'm still not sold on this class as a whole. I know it looks um, on paper, it looks relatively good. But we also know and we've talked about uh, how we hope they get a couple flips towards the end of the, the signing period. But we don't we don't see Ohio State finish strong. Generally, they start strong. Uh, they keep their guys, and that's kind of where they are. They're not like Georgia. They're not like Alabama, where they're going to flip two or three guys on signing day. So they they still have some work to do, in my opinion, if they want to hold on to a top five class. And and frankly, I know it one top ten class versus a top five class is not the end of the world. But when Ohio State fans expect them to go after Big Ten and national championships every year, it is a big deal. So they've got to they've got to make some hay here in the next few weeks if they want to make sure that happens. Yeah, Gene and I kind of talked about this with our Your Nuts column today. This class does look, air quotes, great on paper, but it's sort of top-heavy. It's a little bit smoke and mirrors because you've got these five-star guys at the top. You've got the standout wide receivers. you got... Aaron Nolan, you've got Justin Scott, you've got James Peoples at running back. And then you have at least three corners right now, two of which are like top five guys at their position. But yes, you look at some of the other positions and I'm going to do this on the fly right now, just so I can remember, you know, they currently have two safeties. If we're including Garrett Stover, I think Garrett Stover could eventually be sort of a hybrid guy. Maybe he grows into a linebacker. I don't know. Um, just the one linebacker in Peyton Pierce. I talked about their offensive line. You know, Ian Moore is a good prospect right now. He's a top 150-ish sort of guy, but most of their offensive linemen are interior. Their top tackle is like, you know, ranked number 400 in the country. So yeah, the class has holes. It still has work to do. You can't recruit, and I know this is sort of different, but it's like if there are 11 guys on the field, you can't try and recruit seven of them and then fill in the gaps with four. You just don't do that. So when it comes to the secondary, I think they're in a good spot right now, but you'll always probably take more of those guys, right? I think linebacker is a big, big concern because really, I mean, you have to go back to like the 2020 class to find the last, and I'm going to do so right now because in 20, I'm trying to find Cody Simon. Sorry, just bear with me for a second. Yeah, Cody Simon was 2020. He was a highly coveted guy out of Jersey. But then you look at the next couple of classes or the classes since. I mean, Reed Carrico, Ohio, CJ Hicks, Ohio, Gabe Powers, Ohio. Those are probably the top three linebackers that have joined since. Arbel Reese, 2023, Ohio. Peyton Pierce is the first out-of-state guy that they've even got since Cody Simon, and it's one. 
right now in last year's class and this class. So they have to do something there. Now, I don't know if they supplement with Nigel Glover. Uh, that was the kid from Northwestern who entered his name into the portal. I believe he had a visit late last week at Ohio State. He's listed as a safety linebacker hybrid. I think that Northwestern sort of identified him as a linebacker. He is from Ohio. He was a four-star recruit. He was the best player in Northwestern's 2023 class. So I don't know if they get him as a late add. He's sort of in between, right? He's joining so late that I don't know what difference he makes in 2023, but it helps, again, in the aggregate, it helps them look good and like they've done something the last couple of years. But I'm with you. To have a linebacker coach who doesn't recruit linebackers, that's a problem. If you've got Justin Fry who gets you a center and a tackle out best every year, that's a problem. You can't have a position coach barely recruit their position. So I I still I am still concerned, even though this class looks really, really good, because again, I think it's sort of top heavy and it's being buoyed or carried right now by Jeremiah Smith and Mylon Graham and things like that. So I think we're on the same page there. Would you agree? Yeah, and just just do the math on it. So there's 19 guys in this class. Well, you got two receivers, two tight ends, and three running backs. So now you're down to 12 and Air Nolan. So you're down to 11 guys between offensive line, defensive line, or I'm sorry, just say offensive line and the entire defense. You have 11 recruits. Like, yeah. That's not enough. Like that's just that's not enough bodies. And I know there's uh, you're just you're you're making a mistake if you're just looking at the overall commits. And don't get me wrong, I think they need to have two to three running backs in this class. We've had that conversation ad nauseum about previous classes, and two receivers is is the right number, and maybe two tight ends is maybe 2024 is that year. Uh, I'm not going to say what the year is this time but if you're going to bring in seven of those guys you're still going to have to bring in 15 to 18 guys on the line and on the defense total and they're just not there so i they've got some work to do in a numbers standpoint because you can't just depend on being at 87 guys and losing a couple guys at the end of the year you could lose 20 in a blink of an eye, like you have to be prepared for what 2023 recruiting is. And I'm not positive that they're quite there yet. Well, yeah, like I see what you're saying, but I think Ohio State's playing a bit of a different game here in that they really, really, really want to get their guys and hang on to their guys and look to add late. So Ryan Day has talked about this too. He He's all about relationships and fostering relationships and keeping those guys in the fold for the right reasons. But you're right. If something happens, if there's some sort of tipping point and there's a mass exodus, you've got a problem because then you do have to play that transfer portal game, which is another thing that I don't think Ryan Day and his coaches love to do. They've been strategic at best, you know, um, but and we should clarify too, like Ohio State is in good standing with a number of defensive prospects in this 2024 class. So they could surprise both you and I. I'm with you. Like it's been a bit of a struggle to close late recently. But, you know, if they can get Dylan Stewart or Edric Houston, 
Um, if they can get another linebacker and just start to add pieces, 19 still a solid number, but you're right. You've got to be prepared for some sort of exit, some transfers, some kids who have to medically retire. You know, God forbid we saw that with Avery Henry uh, and we just had, oh gosh, the offensive lineman's name. Uh, it's going to escape me, but they just had another uh, player who had to medically retire. So yeah, things happen. And then you get kids who just want to leave and go look for another opportunity. So I, I don't know what their number is. I think 26, 27, 28 might be ideal. Who knows if they get there? Because at the same time, I also don't want Ohio State to settle. But yeah, they've got some positional work to do. You know, maintain some relationships and now go and pick some guys. We've seen it with Larry Johnson. I think he only likes to recruit late. <laughs> Justin Scott was the exception this year. We're like, oh, JT Tuimolo out. Why don't you come in? right before National Signing Day, and Joshua Mickens last year, like, okay, we'll, we'll pick you up late. Maybe he's a procrastinator by heart, but he seems to have a strong rapport with some guys, and so hopefully that boosts the class as well. But I don't know, Chuck, let's change things up a bit. Let's discuss some of the things we heard at Big Ten Media Days last week. I know that you want to bring up one specific comment or talking point, so I'll let you have that one in a minute. Other than quarterback talk, did you find anything particularly interesting about any of Ryan Day's comments? Did you get, I don't know, did you get like worked up over his perceived willingness to move the game uh, or, or anything like that? His talk about the Penn State rivalry, anything interesting from him specifically, or do you just want to dive into the quarterback talk? Yeah, I think the one thing that was kind of concerning to me is there doesn't look like there's a ton of finality on the offensive line and I think there's some positions that you can go into camp and and need to make some answer or create some answers during camp and then there's some that you really need to have them early in in camp and offensive line is is one of those like you don't want to have eight or nine guys in the mix and then the starters only get the last week right so Fryer from everything everybody's heard is pretty much taking the left tackle job, but Ryan day doesn't want to say that he just wants to say he looks good. Uh, Josh slash Jimmy Simmons uh, <laughs> learning that he likes to go by Jimmy was interesting. I, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, Jimmy Simmons does kind of, uh, kind of roll off the tongue a little bit. Uh, that part to me, like he wasn't a good starter at San Diego State, so I'm not convinced that he's the answer. Uh, they're not giving us anything on Luke Montgomery. Uh, all they said is that they added Vic Cutler. That's not a good sign. He doesn't even have anything good to say about him. He just says that, yeah, he's on the, he admits that he's on the roster. So that is really, really concerning because I feel like while Ryan Day is a coach-speak kind of coach, I do think he would – give you something on an offensive line because you almost want the other teams to know, yeah, we've got our line figured out and it's going to be great as opposed to, ah, we, we really don't know. We're just going to kind of fly by the seat of our pants on this one. I think it's the offensive line discussion is sort of twofold. First and foremost, Ryan Day doesn't really give us anything. 
right? Like no finality, no clear cut answers. He keeps everything close to the vest. So I think some of this is that, if that makes sense. And then, you know, I, I believe that there probably are eight or nine guys, like you mentioned, in the mix because there's not a whole lot coming back in in the way of experience. You know, you've got the guards and Josh Fryer played well for a game and some change at right tackle. Now he's being asked to play left. It's not like that's just, oh, the other side, you do something with your other hand, with your other leg. I mean, that's not how things work. So I, I don't know if maybe it's easier for him than some of the rest or the, the coaches are just confident in that. But I think the addition of Simmons and maybe Cutler, but probably to a lesser extent, those guys haven't seen the field much for Ohio State or like going against the ones on the opposite side, right? So I think Josh Jimmy Simmons's addition, which also threw me for a loop, I think that probably threw the coaches for a loop. And I think that Ryan Day, I think he really wants to keep these guys hungry. His mindset is probably like, look, none of you guys have earned anything. Matthew Jones, yes. Donovan Jackson, yes. Everything else is up for grabs. If you want to come take it, come take it. Like, I know who my front runners might be, who my favorites might be, but you have to go out there and prove it. So I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I think this is just some of Ryan Day being Ryan Day. But yeah, to your point, you can't have an open competition until August 23rd or something and be like, all right, cool, you're my guys. And we got a week. Let's go. You can't really do that. It's a week or two and then it's cut down and you sort of start to hopefully see those guys gel and whatnot. So me personally, I think it's going to be Simmons on the right side, but we've heard really good things about Tegra Shibola. He's a Cincinnati guy. He could surprise some people. Luke Montgomery as a freshman, it obviously was always going to take him some time. Who knows? But I just think there's a lot of unknown with the offensive line. And I think there's a lot of unknown at multiple positions, including the one that I'm just going to open the floor up to you, Chuck, because I know there were some comments that you latched onto and don't, don't give away the farm, but give me your thoughts on what he, Ryan day had to say regarding his quarterback position or that quarterback position battle. Boy, it was concerning that he didn't have a lot to say besides their leadership uh, and that they did well with coach Beck that was uh, and I understand that how the summer works is the coaches aren't technically on the field but give me a break if you didn't get a report on every single rep those boys took when they were working out by themselves get the hell out of here if you think I'm going to believe any of that the fact that Kyle McCord hasn't just taken this job right now is really concerning because we both agree Devin Brown is behind, right? He got hurt in spring. He didn't get to play in the spring game. Like he was going to be behind. So the fact that McCord didn't take the job in the spring and we're not hearing anything different now is, is a little concerning. Like it's, it's alarming that he has not been able to just snatch this job. All right, so as one of the charter members of the Kyle McCord fan club, 
I have to side with you on this one. <laughs> if only for if only for this reason. So I look at Kyle McCord and his experience. I, I'm not a big theater guy, like Matt, our uh, our our head honcho is, but I know enough about enough, right? Kyle McCord was basically the understudy to the lead for two two and a half years now. And it's like, okay, that that lead actor has landed a movie part or uh, a TV series or something like that. And now you've got the director of the play and he's thinking, all right, my uh, everything centers around this individual. They have two, two and a half years of experience as the understudy, but I'm not quite sold on them. Like, <clears throat> that's how I see this situation. I if Kyle McCord was ready, I feel like it would be known. And Ryan Day would be like, yep, he's been here two years. He knows the playbook front and back. He's got a great rapport with his wide receivers, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, he's really never done that with Kyle McCord. Hell, even uh, who did he start against last year or two years ago? It's escaped me for a second. But even then, Ryan Day didn't really give the the greatest stamp of approval. And in the game that we saw Kyle McCord start, again, this is one game with very little lead in, very little experience leading up to this. A lot of short stuff. Uh, I think his biggest pass was a catch and run, if I'm not mistaken, to Jaden Ballard. So... We haven't seen much evidence of trust in two, two and a half years. And that's where I'm I'm sort of concerned. And yeah, for it to be now late July before Kyle McCord's third season and we haven't heard or seen that stamp of approval, that vote of confidence in you will, if you will, it's a bit concerning. But I want to save some of that quarterback talk, Chuck, until we talk about some camp storyline. So Let's put a pin in that one. Let's go to break. And then I want to come back and talk about some coach stuff that we heard at Big Ten Media Day. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Hang Out in the Holy Land. For Chuck Holmes, I am Josh Dooley. And we are talking Big Ten Media Days Chuck, you and I talked about some Ryan Day comments. As far as the other players or the players from Ohio State, you know, I, I liked what I heard from both Marvin Harrison Jr. and Cade Stover. Did not catch much of or anything uh, that JT2 Moloa had to say, but Marvin Harrison Jr. talked about the importance of beating that team up north. And, you know, that an undefeated season is the only successful season. I like that. Then both he and Stover talked about NIL directly. Look, when it comes to that, Ohio State might lose out on a few guys whose primary concern is NIL. That's exactly what Marvin Harrison Jr. said, that if this is your primary concern, Ohio State is not the place for you. But it does sound like Ryan Day and his coaches really have just so much buy-in from the guys in their program and guys who sure would love to make some pocket change, right? Some money, but place a higher importance on winning 
and being part of, you know, the brotherhood. And if that's the case, I can live with that. Uh, I've talked about this in the past. I do not, I don't think that I want Ohio State to become this program that is losing 10 to 15 guys every offseason in the portal and then going to replace them with guys from the portal. Like, I like the culture piece of it. And I think that Ryan Day has preached that. I think that Urban Meyer and Jim Tressel before him, they preached that. So I liked what I heard from those guys as far as, you know, some of the why they're here things. But um, the, the last thing I want to talk about before camp storylines is what I want to talk about a few of the other Big Ten coaches that have been in the news. And some of this came up either right before, during, or after Big Ten media days. Not Ryan Day, not any of the Ohio State coaches, but other. And so, you know, you've got Jim Harbaugh being or likely to be suspended and P.J. Fleck at Minnesota being painted as some sort of like crazed egomaniac. Chuck, I'm actually upset that you did not applaud when I came onto the pod. I'm going to start asking that from now on. But uh, which one of those guys do you want to discuss first, Jim Harbaugh or P.J. Fleck? You didn't earn enough Fleck bucks to uh, to get me to clap for <laughs> you. I, you had to pay me, and you didn't earn enough to be able to pay me to clap. So let, let's start with P.J. because uh, I – I, I don't even I don't even know where to like begin with something as absurd as some of the stuff that's coming out about him. Yeah, so in case you have not heard or read up on it, some uh, kind of negative things came out about PJ Fleck, the Minnesota head coach. He's been there for four or five years, and some of the former players have just talked about a toxic culture. And the Fleck Bank, I think, where you sort of like snitch on some of your teammates and your own points that you can use supposedly for like failed drug tests. There was the thing about his assistants or like his strength coach had to really get his guys coached up to break into applause anytime he stepped into a room. So, I don't know, like light. I don't even want to say that, but. I would categorize it as like light hazing maybe going on with on within the program and just like some, I don't know, again, light, even though I hate to say that, sort of like emotional abuse or just like some inappropriate behavior maybe from the coaches and the coaching staff. And and it's, it's, it's insane behavior. If this is true, it's just it insanity is. that somebody acts like this. Like, my man, you've done nothing. You have got you have no goodwill build up. You are insane if this is how you run your program. And, and, yeah, that's the biggest part of it. And again, like I don't, I, I'm saying air quotes when I use light, just because look, it's not as far as we know egregious or disgusting or unacceptable as maybe some of the things that were going on in Northwestern. So I just want to draw that little bit of a line. But yeah, even if he had sort of earned it. Look, not a lot of coaches get away with that sort of behavior anymore. It's just, it's a different ball game, no pun intended. And yeah, for this guy, like the stones on this guy, if it is true, the cojones to have such a big ego 
that you demand applause when you walk into a room with your, what, 560 winning percentage at Minnesota uh, and the couple of good seasons you had at the little podunk school in Michigan. Like, come on, man. It takes a real special ego, again, if this stuff is true, to to act and to portray yourself as like this holier-than-thou figure. And they've talked about like people joked that it was like a cult with the row, the bow. Look, I always thought that P.J. Fleck was sort of corny. I I didn't sort of think that. I absolutely thought that. I thought he was corny as all hell from the minute I sort of became familiar with him. But to see that it it wasn't even an act and like he's he's like this with his players and those within his program. Again, allegedly, I just find that that's banana land, man. Like that's like you said, that is some crazy behavior and. I don't think it should be tolerated in general, let alone if you are a average to a to slightly above average coach. And make no mistake, there is too much detail for this to all be false. I, I know he's come out and categorical, categorically denied all of it. They're just... <laughs> those that lie about stuff like this just don't have the detail that they're giving. So there, a lot of this is true. Now, for his sake and for the player's sake, I hope the stuff that's not true, if there is any, is the stuff on the really extreme side. But it is um, it, it's so crazy that in 2023 there are still and, – and P.J. Flex a young guy. It's not like he's a – grizzled 50-year veteran that was coaching in the 70s and 80s and can uh, remember a time. He wasn't even alive when this was uh, allowed to happen on college university. So I I don't even – he's not even almost worth discussing because his program's not good enough to even justify the time. All right, and maybe that's the best way to wrap it up. And – Again, we don't know what is and what is not true. But yeah, like when that much detail comes out, you're like, man, where there's smoke, there's fire. And so that's a bit tricky. As for the other coach that I brought up, Jim Harbaugh obviously has a or potentially has a looming suspension here. There's been a rumor of four games for whatever it was with the NCAA. We can get into exactly what it was. Look. I've seen like defenders and certain people come out and be like, Oh my gosh, he got four games for buying a recruit, a hamburger or a cheeseburger with his own money. First and foremost, that is against the rules, but that has, that is not why he is likely or is going to be suspended. He, the suspension is looming because he lied or flat out just covered up the details because I would have to really dig in to that. I don't want to misspeak, but he was not truthful or forthcoming or purposefully like, you know, tried to pull the wool over the NCAA's eyes or just wasn't willing to speak. Again, I would have to really dig into it because I don't want to get the details wrong, but that's why he's being suspended basically because he lied or he wasn't forthcoming or, 
he covered something up. We don't know all of the details. And look, that's even more against the rules. That is even more egregious when it comes to potential penalties and things like that. He essentially, it's not dissimilar from what Jim Tressel did. And Jim Tressel lost his job at Ohio State. If this had happened 10, 12 years ago, Jim Harbaugh might be facing the same fate or, you know, a season-long suspension or something like that. So I don't want to hear that it's stupid that he is going to be suspended for buying a kid a hamburger because that's not the case. He is likely to be suspended because he lied or he covered something up or he just flat out refused to speak about it. So no matter how you cut it, he broke rules or he did something wrong. And so I think that this punishment fits the crime. How about you, Chuck? Let's be honest. If he had done this two years ago, he would have lost his job because he hadn't beat beat Ohio state two straight years (laughs) and gone to a playoff. Like, like, like that's, that's what has keeping him employed here. You, you break NCAA rules when you're not like he was barely holding on by a thread. So if this had come out, then he would have lost it back then. The fact that he got suspended for four games when they have the weakest non-conference schedule in the nation is is it's it's a slap on the wrist. Like, what is he all honestly going to miss? Like when Urban Meyer got suspended, at least they had to go play TCU in Texas. Like that was a actual uh, power five game against a perennial um, not a but they're competent almost a year. So for for him, them to have to go play uh, a couple of Division two high school teams, and I think they're playing a middle school team in week three, like it's it, it's almost a joke that it happens. And you're right, like the Jim Trestle thing is eerily familiar. And I'm old enough to have remembered at Ohio State when Randy Ayers lost a very, very large recruit uh, when Damon Flint's mom got a Big Mac bought for her. And he ended up going to the University of Cincinnati and going to uh, have playing on a a number one team in the country because he was uh, essentially told not to come to Ohio State after his mom got bought a cheeseburger. So it's kind of. The, the Michigan fans that are up in arms can all kick rocks is, is what it boils down to because they're not really getting hurt here. He's not losing salary. It's not like when an NFL player gets suspended and they lose their game check. He's still going to get paid everything. They might slap him with a $50,000 fine, but he wipes his butt with $50,000. Yeah, and I, I wanted to pull it all up so I spoke to it correctly. It was, look, the – the lying or being less than truthful, that was the level one violation. There were four level two violations. It was all sorts of stuff like meeting during a dead period, texting outside of a allowable period. And the one that, I don't know, maybe this was commonplace, but having coaches watch players work out over Zoom, that's a different level of violation that, that I'm coming up with. That's a that's just a weird violation in my opinion, but I don't know. Maybe it was commonplace when, you know, coaches can't have that direct contact. I don't know, but like, it wasn't just this little minor thing in the grand scheme of things was like the money spent 
minor? Yeah. Was it, did he talk to a, a recruit in passing? Maybe. Was the watching of a recruit on Zoom, you know, watching their throwing mechanics or something minor like that? Yeah, probably. I don't know. But when you, you know, give false information or you just flat out lie to the NCAA, like, if you do that at your job right now, there will probably be some decent repercussions, right? Like, Chuck, if you go to your boss and he has questions for you and you're just like, I'm not going to answer that, or you give him false information, you straight up lie, then guess what? You're probably getting a week or two without pay. And and you don't make the same type of money. I know you went to Dubai, but you don't make that, that Jim Harbaugh money. So it should impact him. And yeah, th- if this happened a decade ago, he may not have a job to talk about right now. So, um, you know, that's the coach speak from the Big Ten media days. I think we've got, we've gone through quite a bit. I, you know, I also did want to give props to Northwestern interim coach David Braun for how he handled Big Ten media days. Look, he definitely uh, kind of sat up there and filibustered a bit, but what do you want the new guy to do? He didn't ask for any of this. He, as far as we know, did not partake in any of this. And so I thought at media days, he stood up there and he sort of took it on the chin for his team and his program. I think that he acquitted himself quite well, given the circumstances. Chuck, would you agree? Yeah, he, he had a unique experience that he had not been with the program. Obviously, he was hired at the end of last season. So I do think that helped for him to be able to kind of just BS his way through it because he wasn't really going to answer. He, If he had been a 20-year guy, he was going to have to answer questions about, hey, you were involved in this. What? Why are you even still here? So for him to not be there was was fortunate for him. And I think that was a good first step. And um I, I kind of agree with those that are saying that if he goes and, and makes a run here at five, six wins, I think this was a start to him maybe getting that job at the end of the year. Yeah, nice little audition. Whether you think he knocked it out of the park or not, he didn't strike out. Um, and, and he faced the music a little bit. And it's not his music to face. You know, like we talked about, he didn't put the program in this situation. He thought that he was taking a once in a lifetime job and guess what? Now he's got a different once in a lifetime job, not under the circumstances that he likely wanted, but yeah, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well, uh, especially for a first time head coach and especially for a guy who's doing it at the level he is now doing it. So that sort of covers the opener. It's a long opener, right? We had a lot to talk about, but Chuck, I'm ready to get into some Ohio State fall camp. So what my partner and I are going to do, we're just going to sort of, we're going to discuss what we consider to be the most interesting storylines. There are no themes this week, just a couple of dudes being dudes, talking ball here. And again, we're not going to rank them. They're in no particular order. So, Chuck, let's just jump in here, right? The first storyline that I wanted to talk about, I I think it's going to surprise you. I I said that we didn't rank these, but 
I am of the belief that like Ohio State's quarterback battle is the most talked about sort of storyline going around this program. <clears throat> but to me, that's that's secondary. And pun is intended there. I want to look at that secondary, that Ohio State secondary. If you look at the season-long stats for Ohio State last year, they might tell you that Ohio State was pretty good against the pass, right? 200 passing yards per game, 59% completion percentage allowed. But you and I and pretty much everyone else saw what Michigan and Georgia did to Tim Walton and Perry Eliano's unit. OSU lost now Cam Brown, Ronnie Hickman, and Tanner McAllister to be replaced by TBD. So they're just, I could go in any number of directions here, but off the top, Chuck, like I want to see or hear how Denzel Burke looks. Is he a bounce back candidate? Who is going to start opposite him? And at safety, you know, you're guaranteed to have two or three new starters. Does Sonny Styles earn a spot? Is Jihad Carter the real deal? I think there is a ton of intrigue in or around this secondary. So that's where I want to start, Chuck. What are your general thoughts off the top here on this Ohio State secondary? We as as fans very close to the program feel this way because we, we're still having nightmares about Georgia and about Michigan last year. I know every, you go on every sports website, you go to CBS Sports, you go to ESPN, and they're talking about about camp battles that are coming and it's always about the quarterbacks because that's just what it is right media is always going to be quarterback driven and yes if kyle mccord is uh cj stroud 2.0 he is going to cover up a lot of issues in that secondary that being said if that secondary is not fixed it is irrelevant to what kyle mccord or devin brown bring to the table because they are going to be in trouble in two to four games this year, strictly because of the passers that they're going to face this year. So it is. Absolutely. I mean, it could be four to six, Chuck. I mean, I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They don't have the same guys they've had in the past, but like, look, third game of the year, Western Kentucky, followed up by Notre Dame, followed up by Tualia Tagovailoa. So it's going to come at them real quick. Game after that's Purdue. I mean, it could be – they're going to learn today. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to find out pretty quick. <laughs> they are. So there, there's got to be some some real – the hammer's got to come quick, right? Because you, it's so early. Like, these guys got to drop that hammer early in the year. They get a game. They get Indiana. That's really it to, to kind of figure themselves out. Because Youngstown State doesn't count. Right. Absolutely. And, and you're going to, yeah, if you play well against Young South State, what's that prove? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I, I, I'm really confident in the cornerbacks, personally. I think the cornerback uh, play is going to be much improved. I am fully in on the Denzel Burke is back train. Uh, Davison Igbenosin is by far my favorite addition to this team. I think he is just going to be an absolute terror on the other side. The safeties, though make this defense go that has been the the mo of jim Knowles defenses is these three safeties really make it go and we don't have a single damn answer for any of the three spots and that is real really really worrisome man like you don't have one of them figured out 
Well, I think you've got Lathan Ransom figured out, but I think he's going to move. You know, I think he's going to be more. Right. That, that, yeah, I, I should have said that part. He, he is, he is going to be one of the three, but he's not going to be in the same position he was last year. And with safety, the more I've thought about it, the more confident I am in a bounce back. Like, look, I'm not telling you that they're going to be great. That's the problem, though. We need them to be great for us to be able to watch an Ohio State team win a national championship. These safeties can't be okay. And that we do. I, I, I fully believe Ohio State needs their safeties to be great, to beat Michigan, to beat Penn State, and to beat Georgia, USC, uh, maybe not Alabama because their quarterbacks apparently stink, but uh, to beat these other guys in a national championship semifinal or championship game, like they, they have to be great. So maybe it's semantics or definitions. I'm with you. Like They can't just get by, but I think that Ohio State could get by with good, if that makes sense, right? Because last year they were not. They were... I don't know. I would probably call them below average. Like Tanner McAllister, smart play, smart player, didn't make a ton of plays. I could see Jihad Carter being an upgrade. Um, He's been a ball hawk in the past. He's very experienced. Ronnie Hickman, I'll be honest, man, kind of sucked last year. (laughs) Like, I, I don't, there's no more eloquent way to put it. He regressed. It's true. It was a different role. The year, the year before, it was see ball, get ball, go make some plays, and he did very well. He led the team in tackles. He finished with 100-plus. He wasn't good last year. And so whether he is replaced with Josh Proctor, uh, Lathan Ransom moving over, like whatever they figure out, I, I look at it like this. Jihad Carter's an experienced guy, and he's been a playmaker in the past. I like that. Cam Martinez, if he's in the mix, at some point he's probably got to get better, I, I think. Usually that's how experience goes. At some point you usually get better. Now, I'm not willing to guarantee that yet. Josh Proctor, for all of his faults, I mean, he's 29 years old or whatever he is. Like He's been around the block. So, again, experience. And then you've got that wild card of Sonny Styles. I don't know if – they were hesitant to pull the trigger last year. Uh, it sounds like they might be hesitant to pull the tra- trigger now. I just, I don't think they can figure him out yet, but he's got a year of experience under his belt. I've seen some things that he's had to say online. Like he feels a lot better about his own sort of situation, his grasp on the game. So I just think the options are better. And so if they can keep their heads on straight, like they failed to do at times last year, especially with the bus coverages and things like that, then like, I think they can be better. And if better becomes good, then I'm with you on the corners. I, I believe in Davis Nigmanosin. I haven't watched enough of him to have a firm belief, but like, I, I just, I didn't, it didn't take that much for me to buy in talk about the size the strength, the, competitive spirit that he immediately brought to Columbus like I'm all in on that dude and he was a freshman all-american so it's there wasn't necessarily a ton to pick apart <clears throat> even who knows Jordan Hancock the guy's never been healthy if he could just be healthy once for an extended period of time 
you know, we were all on this dude a couple of years ago, right? Like Jordan Hancock was supposed to be the next BIA guy, the next Jeff Okuda, the next Denzel Ward, like whoever. He was supposed to be the guy, and he's just been snake bitten. The worst luck in the entire universe. Maybe he's your starting quarterback, number two, right? Opposite Denzel Burke. I think we're all sort of buying into that, committed to Denzel Burke being the starter. And Jair Brown was fine in small dosages last year. So I do think it's going to be an improved Ohio State secondary, but it's like we talked about even at the beginning of the podcast, we need proof of concept. And hopefully those coaches have had time to bring everything together as well and get better themselves. Luckily, Ryan Day will be very forthcoming in his next couple of press conferences, so we'll have nothing to worry about by the time the season starts. We'll know exactly how well they're going to be playing. There, uh, there's nothing I love more, whether it's the secondary or elsewhere. Like, we find out when the first snap is taken that, like, this guy's starting over that guy or this guy's hurt. Like, it's a running joke that's not really funny. <laughs> so I don't know what you would call <laughs> that. But, yeah, like, they, they might – Ohio State might trot out there week one, and it's Jordan Hancock and Jair Brown at cornerback, and Josh Proctor at nickel State. Like, we don't know, but I, I'm at least somewhat confident that the secondary will play more up to its potential. And I think their potential is real. I, 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 I seriously believe that. I think that there's some really talented guys back there. And hopefully it all comes together. So the next storyline I had, who doesn't at this point? It's the quarterback battle. We've already hit on this a little bit, but uh, let me start with this, Chuck. One to ten, what is your concern level over or regarding the quarterback position for the Buckeyes? I am a solid eight, and here's why. Two reasons. Well, maybe more. That's than not two. what your wife says. <laughs> but it's what I say every day. Nobody believes me. But uh, <laughs> God. Uh, all right. Back to quarterbacks. Uh, my my concern is is multi-layered. One. And this is. The fact that we haven't heard anything different since spring about what's going on with these guys is concerning because if one of them had taken this job and owned it, I feel like the coaches would want that out there. And, and the reason they would want that out there is then all of a sudden you're like, as the other coaches that they're about to play, all of a sudden, the Indiana defensive coaching staff's like, oh, shit, this guy's going to be just as good. Like, we're in trouble. We've got to work. Now Indiana's like, well, maybe they don't have a quarterback, and we can ramp up the pressure on them and see if we can't fluster this guy because whoever it is isn't going to have a full fall camp because he's got to earn the job the first two weeks. So that part is really concerning. The other part is – like at some point you have to like if you're in a third year in a program, like there's not many guys that become stars their fourth and fifth year in a program anymore, or, or as as quarterbacks. Like it's not like 20 years ago when these guys only had 600 pass attempts in high school if they played all four years. Kyle McCord 
has had 10,000 reps throwing the football between seven on seven and playing at a big time program and throwing the Marvin Harrison Jr. in high school. And now two years in a program at Ohio State with the quarterback whisperer, like at some point you you have it or you don't. And you're not hearing he's got it. You're hearing he's progressing. Well, he's he's a third year guy. You, you're we're not dealing with like I understand Ryan Day's offense is somewhat sophisticated. I got you, somewhat sophisticated because there is a lot of pro style concepts with it. But let's not act like he's out there running like rocket science routes. Like this is not. You're three years in. If you don't have it grasped, that's concerning. And the fact that Devin Brown missed a bunch of time means he's got to still get ramped up. And then where, where do we go? I mean, we're literally like they need to two weeks from now, we need to have a starting quarterback announced if if this starter wants to truly get like all the first team reps in preparation for Indiana. And it doesn't seem like they have an idea of who that person is yet. My only curiosity sort of revolves around, or I question whether or not maybe it's intentional by Ryan day. Like he doesn't want to give, he doesn't want to like inflate Kyle McCord's ego and be like, look, I've always known it. And he was just, you know, 1% behind CJ Stroud. Boom, he's ready to go. And does he also want to keep Devin Brown, like, fully engaged? And like, hey, you've got a chance to win this. Not, not doing either one of those guys a disservice, but by being, like, purposefully vague and not tipping his hand. <clears throat> Is he trying to maybe play both sides? But in, in that scenario... If it's Kyle McCord's job, like he didn't get all the first team reps in spring. If it's his job, he needs those reps. Like, why why are we playing games with like Devin Brown's how he feels? If Kyle McCord truly is that guy, Devin Brown can leave. He can go transfer somewhere else. And it's okay for the program. So for you to not if that's the case, and for them to not actually Well, I don't know like, that it would be okay right. for this year because Lincoln Kineholtz was not an early enrollee. And they got... Uh, it, you're still better off with your starter actually being the starter. Like, these guys coming in, and, and, and if, if it's his job, give him the job and let him go be the starter like he's a incumbent, as opposed to having to, quote-unquote, earn the job in August. So I, if that's the case, and, and I'm not saying it's not the case, I think that's a big miss by, by the powers to be, Ryan Day, and, and whether Har- Brian Hardline has any say in it. Like if, if that's what they're doing, to me, that's a miss in preparing this team and this quarterback to go win a national championship. They're too, if you're too worried about keeping guys on the roster and keeping them quote-unquote hungry – they should already be hungry. Like you're, you're, you're fighting to be the Ohio State starting quarterback. If you're not hungry, you, you missed in recruiting. Yeah, and, and that's all fair. You know, I was trying to think. You said typically guys don't come on their fourth or fifth year and like experience stardom. And I was trying to think back <clears throat> to maybe the last guy that I could remember doing that. And for a second, I thought about Mac Jones. 
from Alabama, but I had to go back and reread. Like, yes, he became a star, a college star during his fourth season, but he started the last four games of his junior year. So similar, I guess, you know, Kyle McCord's going into that third year. Um, but yeah, like I, it, it's tough. As, name, name the last one at Ohio State. Oh, man. Um, I, I honestly can't think of one. I think you have it in, in mind, so hit me with it. To me, it's Craig Krenzel. That's 20 okay, years that's ago. That's who I was going to guess, but like, I don't even – I wouldn't say that he – Yeah, I mean, he was a junior. If Kyle McCord's yeah, Craig I mean, Krenzel, we probably have an issue this year. Absolutely. The, it is sort of – Football is not – it's not the same game anymore. That Craig Krenzel playing quarterback, and in 2023, he would be playing at a Division two school. <laughs> probably. And – but he, he might have been a different quarterback because he would have thrown it uh, 800 or 900 times in high school as opposed to – I bet if you look at his high school stats, he threw it 300 because that's just not how offenses were run back then. And he probably didn't play any seven-on-seven, so he didn't get another 1,000 reps in the spring or in the summer. So he would have been a completely different athlete as well. But, yeah, like it just doesn't it, – it's rare. Mac Jones is the, is the exception to the rule, right? You look at all these other guys – and, and you could probably say Joe Burrow, too. Same concept. But really, the reason he had the weight was because he was behind all-world guys. Mm-hmm. And he ended up losing the job to another first-round pick who was a physical specimen at Haskins. Like, it wasn't like he— And he had, he had the entire first season, right? Like, Joe Joey Burr was just Joe Burrow from Ohio State his first year at LSU, you know? so Right. It's— um. I don't know. I think that our first two storylines sort of, they play into each other, right? Because we just talked about the leash or the lead up or the rope, whatever. Ohio State's secondary defense doesn't really get that. Third game of the year, they're going to Western Kentucky. They're going to overpower them and beat them. But that team traditionally has been able to throw the ball all over the yard. Notre Dame with Sam Hartman, they have an actual quarterback this year. Then it's Maryland, then it's Purdue. So like their feet are going to be put to the fire pretty quickly. And if they're not up to par, up to snuff, whenever, whatever, then Ohio State should in in theory beat all of those teams, but they're going to need a strong quarterback to do so. And so You know, C.J. Stroud got put into this situation. Like, he took, on, he took on Oregon very early and acquitted himself very well as a new starter. But, um, yeah, like, it's – the schedule doesn't really do them many favors just because of the teams that they play and then that Notre Dame game being early. But I'd much rather it be week four than week two. So there's a little bit of a buffer built in there. It is – I think we've hit it over the head, though. It's it's a bit peculiar. It's strange. It's a bit troublesome that Kyle McCord has been on campus for, what, like 30 months now? I hate when parents are like, oh, my kid's 30 months. But, like, I think Kyle McCord's been on campus for, like, two and a half years now fully, and – be the guy, man. Be the guy or don't. But I just I hope that this is some Ryan Day tactics. Again, not being a disservice to either guy, 
<clears throat> but just wanting to really see maybe Kyle McCord prove it against his ones on defense in the in the fall lead up or something like that. So um, that was our second storyline. The third one that I definitely wanted to hit on is the play calling. Chuck, who the hell is going to call plays for Ohio State? You know, Ryan Day did not tip his hand much at media days, but eventually we're going to find out who the play caller will be, or maybe we won't. You know, it could be like a puppet situation where Brian Hartline's doing it, but he's reading off a Ryan, Ryan Day's script. I don't know. Regardless, I do think that it's going to be some sort of collaborative effort, but I am also of the belief that if you've got two play callers, you've got zero play callers. You know what I mean? So I think they need to get this figured out. Maybe they, it is figured out and it just hasn't been announced, but it's sort of like the Kyle McCord thing where it's like, I'd be, I'd feel a little bit better if I just had some answers on August 1st and we are not going to have those. So where are you at on the whole play caller situation? I think the part that was most concerning to me was when he was talking about it. He was talking about how nothing's really changed since the spring. And to me, that is you're either just lying to us, which just don't answer the question if you're lying to us or nothing's changed when you made the decision in January to give him the OC title, correct? Am I correct in January, early February, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was that January. Time frame. I think it was January. So end of March, end of March, we're in spring camp, early April. So in that two months time frame, you change things up, whatever it is you change because he's the offensive coordinator and he called plays, Brian Hartline called plays during spring camp or during the spring game. So nothing's changed since then. It's about to be August. Like, you didn't learn anything. You didn't tweak anything. Nothing's different. So either he's, like, to me, this screams that Hartline's maybe the OC in name only. And and, and I'm sure he'll have more to do during the week. But if he was going to call the plays, why wouldn't you just say he's going to call the plays? Just just say what's going to happen. And if you haven't figured it out, what are you going to learn in fall camp? Like what, what there are no bullets flying in fall camp. Like, what are you going to learn there? It's there's no pressure. So if you haven't already figured it out, you're not going to figure it out during uh, an inner squad scrimmage. I'm sorry. You're just not. I would have to imagine that Ryan day is having trouble letting go. <clears throat> just like every head coach who has ever existed since the beginning of time. You know what I mean? It's not uncommon. So I would venture a guess, like I said, that he's having trouble letting go. And maybe it's a bit bumpy until until that moment. Like, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if Ryan Day will ever experience, see it, call it, whatever. But, like, in my head... You don't maybe fully trust someone as much as you say that you do and as much as you feel like you do until the moment when you're like, they aced it. Without my help, they aced the test or they knew the answers better than I did. So maybe he's waiting for that sort of moment. But 
I do think that he will. I think that he will let go sooner than later or figure it out sooner than later. I, I don't imagine he's going to be a Jimbo Fisher, right? Who wants to play call plays until it's just an absolute detriment to his team <clears throat> and then hand it over to a uh, beleaguered former coach familiar with road rash on his face, for example. You know what I mean? So I, I think that Ryan Day and Brian Hartline, they'll figure this out, but I imagine it'll be a collaborative effort until, like I said, something clicks or it go, a light bulb goes off in Ryan Day's head and he's like, you know what, he's got it. So I, I think it's funny that as I'm bringing up some of these storylines and stuff, though, I didn't phrase them as concerns. And I didn't ask you to tell me why you're concerned, but you've sort of led with, here's why I'm concerned, which is in turn making me concerned. I'm becoming concerned because you're concerned. So that's not how you should rub off on your co-host, but it's sort of the world we live in, right? Like CJ Stroud's not here to save us and we're not guaranteed to have a great defense. And Ryan Day and Brian Hartline might butt heads trying to call plays like I, I think there's some more there is more uncertainty entering this year but that could also just be recency bias too like I think we probably had a lot of the same thoughts prior to CJ Stroud taking over as the quarterback right um and we sure as shit didn't have any confidence in the defense that year so Maybe I'm just hyping myself up, and maybe this is what we do every single offseason. But all it sort of took was those three storylines and some Big Ten media days to get us sort of on our toes. And I don't know what that says for the season going forward. I know it can't get here soon enough. I'm tired of talking about it. I want to be about it. I want to be able to talk about the perform the performance of these guys as a as opposed to Boy, Ryan Day sure didn't tell us much during that media session. I want to at least though I've had a game. When I'm complaining about Ryan Day not telling us anything, I want to at least have a game to have already talked about before we complain about it. Well, I got bad news for you as you preview the next three podcasts at least. Because we ain't going to be talking about a whole lot of games. <laughs> I know it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think we covered a lot. I don't want to force it. I don't want you guys to listen for two hours if you don't want to. So, Chuck, let's cut that part of it off because I know you wanted to em- empty the Fleck Bank or empty another sort of bank. <laughs> Would you just call me? With some some listener questions. Chuck had sort of been saving some up, and so let's call it a summer dump or uh, beginning of fall camp dump. I'm going to open the floor up. Hopefully this is fun. Chuck has some additional, like uh, at least a handful of listener questions that we're going to break down, diagnose, and answer before we get you guys out of here. So, Chuck, the floor is yours. Uh, First question just for you. Uh, Tony's been listening to us uh, very well. My man. Uh, How how are we feeling uh, with our stock and our house on Fleming Island right now. I'm holding. Um, I've talked with my advisors. We're not panic selling yet, but we're not buying additional shares either. Um, 
I've seen some some images from late summer, early fall camp. My dude is rocked up. He looks like a Greek god. Maybe that's why he's always hurt. But he looks ready to go. And there are sites out there that are still telling me that he's wide receiver three. So until I hear otherwise, I am holding on my Fleming stock. Yeah, you might as well. I, I don't. What, what are you going to get out of it? It's so. a lost call. Right, like, I can't ass. get my well, money back. It, so let's just move yeah, on. It's, it's, it's a sunk cost. I'm going to say, yeah, this is what we like to call sunk cost. Uh, Steve wants to know. Uh, what is a go-to vacation activity for either one of us? So I'll let you start. What's your go-to vacation activity uh, with kid, without kid, whatever it may be? Look, I love to golf, but unless you're golfing with like other couples and stuff, like that's not a go-to on vacation. <clears throat> so I'm a beach guy. I like to be outdoors. And my wife will tell you like I'm the worst to vacation with. Because there is no relaxing, you know, like I'm up seven, eight in the morning at the latest. Hey, what are we doing? What are we doing? What's A, B and C? So I just want to get outside and do some stuff. Uh, I'll go for a hike. I'll go to the beach. I'll, I'll do whatever. But being outdoors and getting into something or I will also like go in, if we're in a city, like I'll go into every store that they've ever built and, and I'll just look at all the possible shit that they have to offer. <laughs> I, I just will, but I'm on the move regardless. What about you, Chuck? Yeah, we're, we're a beach family. My wife, uh, she puts in a, a honest eight hour work day every day. We're on vacation at the beach. She doesn't move. Uh, I'm a little different. I like the beach, but I, I gotta, I gotta give it, give me a couple hours that I gotta go do something else. Luckily my kids are the same way. So you know, we're at the pool, uh, we're down playing a little putt-putt, we might go uh, crash some go-karts. My youngest got into a go-kart for the first time this year. Uh, the cuts on his uh, neck from when he crashed it into the wall are healing nicely, so we're good there. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, <laughs> we, uh, I, I'm we got to keep moving. I, I want to have something to do every day. And, and frankly, uh, that way uh, it shuts my kids up for a few minutes as I'm spending an absurd amount of money for them to do something. Yeah, vacations aren't ours anymore. So, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. No, that's a fact. If everybody else comes home tired, I feel like I did a, a good job. So, uh, next one. And I did not catch... If this was a male or a female. So, Casey, I apologize. But Casey wants to know. <laughs> this might just be for you as well, <laughs> because you're they, I, I, I don't. My answer is zero. Is there a chance Lincoln Kleinholz ends up winning this quarterback job at any point this season? Yes. And I'm not going to put a high percentage on it, but. You know, if Tua Tagovailoa can win a job late in the season, here's the thing, though. He would have to be, in my opinion, he would have to be named the starter after the season has maybe gone off the rails or some guys have been hurt. Um, I don't think he's just going to get better. Like, <clears throat> I guess a better way to put it, I don't think that both Kyle McCord and, Devin, and or Devin Brown 
can just sort of like be okay for eight weeks. I don't think that's going to be acceptable. Um, that's really the only way that I could see Lincoln kind holds. It would have to be like mid season and those guys just sort of being mid as the kids would say, but I think one of those guys will be, uh, well above average and hopefully they all stay healthy. Yeah. It's, it's for me, it's an injury only and it's, it's injuries only. Um, I'll I'll say this though. He was named what the, the, the boys or the male high school athlete of the year today. I, I don't remember the outlet. I wish that I did so I could give him proper credit. But, I mean, dude's sort of special. Uh, in football, baseball, and basketball, I think. I've seen – I remember the recruiting videos. Like, that ain't nothing. Uh, I say that pretty consistently. So – but no, probably not. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. All right. Uh, next one. And this one is from Toby. Uh, I like Toby. Headed to South Bend this year. What's the chances you guys are going? And if so, uh, where are we grabbing a beer? So, Toby, unfortunately, uh, while we would take you up on the beverage, uh, and unless something's changed on your end, my friend, we will not be partaking in a trip to South Bend. Uh, fall, um, for me, fall. You're, you're still on the horse. Don't put words right. in my look. Yeah, I don't have you. any current plans, but you. if I, you know, a week or two beforehand, I find out about some tickets for a couple hundred bucks, I, I'd love to go. So, yeah, I've got no plans, but, and I, Chuck, I, you could probably say you're not going to, but if I call you up and we, I find a couple of reasonably priced tickets, you'd go because it's Notre Dame. You know, it's seeing the Golden Domers. It's going to that stadium, seeing that field. I would do it in a heartbeat if things meshed and I could do it. If that happened, I mean, we would have to do like a live pod, right? We would have to stream while we're well, there. No, we could I mean, we'll, possibly not. We talk would do about it hungover on the way home in the car. <laughs> in the car. <laughs> it would be a live pod on the road hungover and either joyous or upset but that and that would be probably an all-timer for land grant i'm just gonna say that right now (laughs) uh switching gears completely unrelated uh who is the better this and unfortunately this is an easy answer who's the better golfer and what's uh it's a two-parter What's the drink of choice as the beverage cart comes around for each of us? So I'll answer that I am not the better golfer. I am um, me on a good day. I'm like a really mediocre golfer, like on a good day, on a bad day. I am dreadful. So, uh, pal, you are the better golfer um, for cart beverages i mean we're pretty much just beer guys on the on the course you start getting the hard liquor and it's 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 a lot like we're not we're not strong enough and built for hard liquor on the course anymore we might have been able to a few years ago but that those days are gone yeah i don't know that my range extends that far anymore you know as far as like hard liquor on the course i'm a bourbon guy i'd love to and i could probably sip one throughout a round and and be fine 
but you that's know, not the environment you're looking to relax with a bourbon on, right? That's yeah. uh, you, you, you're trying to get cranked up a little bit on the golf course, so that's <laughs> it's kind of uh, defeats the purpose of of two fingers of Weller or something. I, I will I will say this though, to our credit, I think um, neither of your your hosts is a seltzer guy. I draw the line there. It's it's a real adult beverage or it's nothing. Okay, so yeah, we're not super choosy. Whatever the cart individual has that day and is affordable, I'm usually okay with. But I I do draw the line at seltzer. Like I, let's be adults here and let, let's have a real adult beverage. So I'll leave it at that. Chuck, let's do one or two more. What you got? uh let's see here a couple more i gotta we may have to have another one of these i got quite a few left um let's go with if there was a player in the past that you didn't get to even watch on tv that you would have liked to have seen play and who was it oh man that's a good one I, just because I was younger, I wish I could watch Eddie George again. Like, I did get to see him, but I'd like to be able to watch Eddie George, like, with, you know, my adult eyes in my head, just to, like, see the intricacies and just, like, the, the specialness of what he did. And then, you know, I guess Archie, just sort of by default, maybe that's an easy out, but obviously never saw any of Archie. So it would be those two running backs, especially because uh, it's just a different ball game now too. Yeah. I've got a couple running backs and I got to watch Keith Byers and the pros, but I didn't get to watch him at Ohio state or at least I did. I don't remember. And Pete Johnson is the other one. He was just a, just a bowling ball. Uh, Most third arch leaster, just so I would have some, uh, be able to kind of match up <laughs> what we've learned in the last 25 years with, with don't, don't take his gambling advice. No, but I mean, he was a dynamic quarterback at Ohio state. I oh mean, yeah. He was, for he sure. was the band. Uh, so, all right. I think that's it for this one. We're, we're going to end on that one. Uh, but before the season, we may have to end the out the back again. So keep sending them in. I, uh, I love reading them. I've got a couple here that I'll share with you afterwards, my friend, that are not uh, FCC compliant uh, about how they feel about us. So a couple of them are good. A couple of them are bad. We appreciate you listening, whether you like us or not. Yeah, absolutely. We love the engagement. And uh, those are fun. And they are fun every week. And they they give us some some leeway to sort of think outside the box and answer some fun questions. So we definitely appreciate that. As far as the plan moving forward goes, you know, Chuck and I are still sort of mapping out the next couple of episodes. Uh, I think that we're going to start breaking down the rest of the Big Ten uh, and obviously leave Indiana. Maybe we'll lump them in, but that preview will happen week of the game before the game. Obviously, we'll get back into our cadence of like a preview pod and a recap pod. but. Yeah, we're thinking something like bottom dwellers, pretenders, contenders, something like that. We'll we'll do a chunk each week. 
and we'll just sort of see what else comes up. You know, Ohio State has some potential commitments or fingers crossed potential commitments coming this month. And we'll just see whatever, what else comes down the pipe. So that's where we're at. We hope that you guys obviously come back and listen. As always, we're going to ask you to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. So I know it's been a long one. Thank you guys for hanging in with us. It's been a lot of fun. For Chuck Holmes, I'm Josh Dooley. And as always, go Bucks.